There's a Christmas story uh, this year that turns 78 years old. A children's Christmas story. Do you know what it is? 78 years old this year. Uh, It was so popular that it became a children's cartoon show. There's even a song written about the main character. Any ideas? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Rudolph. Do you remember the story? He had a a, a bright red shiny nose and uh, he did not fit in. All the other reindeers did not want him to be part of their reindeer games. Why? Because he had this red nose. He was a misfit. And how do they treat him? They used to laugh and call him names, right? And they never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games. Rudolph didn't fit in because of this bright red nose that nobody else had. Until one foggy Christmas night, much like this morning, uh, one foggy Christmas night, Santa said, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Then that red nose that kept him from fitting in, that red nose that made him the butt of so many jokes, that red nose that made him different, served a purpose. As Santa said, I need you to guide my sleigh. Then how the reindeers loved him. And they shouted out with glee, yippee. Rudolph has a special heart in, in all of our heart, or special place in all of our hearts, doesn't he? Uh, we all for some reason like Rudolph. And I think it's because deep down inside of us, uh, we all have this desire to be uh, to fit in and to not be a misfit. We all have this desire to be useful, to uh, be included, uh, to have a purpose and to overcome adversity. That's what we all want. We all want to fit in. And as we continue this sermon series, uh, Misfits of Christmas, we are going to look at a Rudolph-like character, and that is John the Baptist. You may have remembered last week, we looked at Zachariah and Elizabeth. Uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth were, were an older couple, and they didn't have any kids. And uh, an angel appeared to Zachariah and told him, you're going to have a son. And that son was John the Baptist. Uh, and as, before we get into John the Baptist, uh, I want to make clear that the disciple of John and John the Baptist are two different people. Uh, the, the New Testament has a couple of Johns. Uh, John the disciple, he wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and uh, Revelation. John the Baptist didn't write any of the New, New Testament books. In fact, we don't even uh, have that much about John the Baptist, and that's because very early in Jesus' ministry, John the Baptist was beheaded. Uh, he died. And so he was gone. But also John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. And so this cousin of Jesus, uh, though he was a cousin of Jesus, he was a misfit. And so let's jump in. Uh, If you're following along in your worship folder, here's your first point. Uh, John was a misfit because of his calling. John was a misfit because of his calling. 
I mentioned that the angel appeared to Zachariah and Elizabeth. Uh, and from the description that the angel gives to Zechariah about John, we see what part of his calling is going to be about. And so we're going to start there. Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 14. The angel said, He, John the Baptist, will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. From the angel's description, we see how John has a different calling in life, part of his calling in life. Uh, And that is, first, he is never to take wine or other fermented drink. He's not supposed to drink alcohol. Which for us, not really that unusual. Uh, We know people who don't drink alcohol. Uh, It's not really a big deal. But in first century uh, Jewish culture, big deal. Uh, The Jewish people had pretty much replaced wine, water with wine. They drink wine all the time. You go over to somebody's house, you had a glass of wine. Uh, even kids drank wine. They just dilute, diluted it with water. Everybody drank wine. And here the angel says, John, he's not going to do that. He's not going to drink wine. And so can you imagine this? Zachariah and Elizabeth and John go over to some friend's house for dinner and the host says, here, I'm going to get you a, a, I'll get three glasses of wine for you. And he starts pouring them and Zachariah says, oh, uh, actually John can't have any. Why not? Well, he's, he's a prophet of God. He's a forerunner to the Messiah. Uh, the Old Testament talked about it. And the host says, right. Well, we all think our future for our kids are going to be great, Right. Every single time, they'd have to have this conversation over and over again. As John grew up, he'd have to have this conversation over and over again. He just didn't fit in with everybody else. But we also see that he'd be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his, he is born. The Holy Spirit is God who creates and strengthens faith. The Holy Spirit is the one uh, who creates faith and gives us wisdom of God and and spiritual maturity. And from the womb of his mother, he was going to have a faith and spiritual maturity beyond his peers. And so he'd have a, a deeper understanding than everybody else around him. As they are worried about other things, things of this life, John would see the bigger picture because he had this sense of spiritual maturity. He, he knew he could see the, the heavenly uh, aspect to it all. And so can you imagine the burden that was on his heart as, as he looked at his friends and, and he thought, they just don't get it. And that's because John was filled with the Holy Spirit. He had a, a spiritual maturity that his peers didn't have. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe God has blessed you with uh, a spirit, spiritually, being spiritually mature. Uh, more so than your peers. And, and you can see how there's a different plane. It's not just what we see here on earth, but there's a heavenly plane that we're dealing with, a bigger picture. 
And you understand that and, and it burdens you. It weighs on your heart as you see your friends and family not getting it, so to speak. It, it, it burdens you as uh, your friends and family don't get that uh, peace doesn't come from what we have in life. That true joy and contentment uh, don't come from our relationships or, or from a career, but it comes from Jesus. And it burdens you as, as you see they don't understand it and, it and it frustrates you because you know it's right there for them. They just have to understand it and believe it. And it weighs on your heart. I'm sure that's how John felt his whole life. As, uh, even as a teenager, he felt this as it burdened his heart. But there's one more aspect to his calling that made John a misfit. And for that we turn to Mark chapter 1 where, where we will be for the rest of the day. Mark chapter 1 says this. This is how it begins. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for Him. You may recognize that part. That's from Isaiah 40, which we read in our scripture reading earlier. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Each of Matthew, Mark, and Luke all attribute Isaiah 40 to John the Baptist. They said this was fulfilled by John the Baptist. Even John himself, John the Baptist, in the Gospel of John, says, Isaiah 40, that's talking about me. And, and so, could anyone relate to him? No. Nobody's el- nobody else's career was foretold in the Old Testament. I have this picture that John, as he's growing up, young teens, uh, and he's talking with his friends. Uh, his friends say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be going into the family business. I'm going to be working down at the meat market with dad. Uh, another friend. Yeah, I'm going to be working with my dad doing carpentry. I'm going to be working with my dad out in the fields being a farmer. John, what are you going to do? My occupation was foretold in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, I'm going to prepare the way for the Messiah. The, the one from Genesis 3.15, yeah, I'm preparing His way. Who could relate to that? Who could understand John's calling? He couldn't drink with everybody else. He, he was more spiritually mature than everybody else. And his occupation was foretold in the Old Testament. What he would be doing. This guy just didn't fit in as much as Rudolph. And what would have been easy for John to do? despair and sulk, right? Nobody can relate to me. I don't fit in. And he could have separated himself from everybody. Sometimes we're tempted to do that too, aren't we? We've experienced things. We've said things. We've heard things. We've done things that we just don't think anybody else can relate to. That nobody else understands, that n- nobody else uh, can comp- comprehend, that nobody else can sympathize and empathize with. 
and we feel like a misfit. And sometimes we feel like that just here in church. Who can relate to me? And so what do we do? We're tempted to separate ourselves because Satan is whispering in our ear. Nobody gets you. Nobody can relate. Nobody can understand. Separate yourself. Get away. Because they don't get it. And what's his purpose? When he gets you away from Christian friends, it's easier to get you away from Jesus. It would have been easy for John to sulk, right? It would have been easy for him to despair. But he didn't. Instead, he said, look, I'm a misfit. And I'm a misfit that's going to be intentional about it. And that's your second point this morning. John was an intentional misfit. And we see that here in Mark chapter 1, verse 6. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Part of being a pastor is you go to people's homes a lot, and uh, generally when I go to somebody's house, uh, I always get offered food. And all of you know me, and you know that I love food. And so I never turn anything down. I've had delicious soups, cheeseburgers, uh, cheese and crackers. The list goes on and on. Uh, But John didn't eat any of that. Imagine a, a, a family, nice family from the city, Going out to John, they love hearing his message. They love hearing what he's talking about. And so they go back, and they're, they're going to come back next week. And they say, you know what? We're going to prepare a little something for John from the city. And they bring him food, and John says, no thanks. I've got my locusts and honey. Odd. Even more odd, his fashion choice. Clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt. The reason that the Gospel writers point this out what his attire was, is because this was not uh, fashionable. Let's say that. This, this was not... He was wearing something that nobody wore anymore. Uh, and that's why everyone talks about it. And the thing is, is that unlike, God, uh, unlike the alcohol, God didn't tell him to do this. God didn't tell him to wear this uh, camel's hair and leather belt. He didn't tell him to eat locusts and wild honey. So why do it? Because John knew his Old Testament. And he knew the Jewish people knew the Old Testament. The last prophet in in the Old Testament was a prophet named Malachi. And in Malachi chapter 4, God says that he's going to send Elijah before the coming Messiah. Guess what Elijah wore? Clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt. It's found in 2 Kings. And so John, John knew that he was going before the Lord and he said, I'm going to be an intentional misfit. I'm going to stand out among the people and I'm going to dress like Elijah from 700 years ago. I'm going to dress like him because it's going to be a sign for the people. I'm going to stand out and they're going to come and I'm going to be able to prepare their hearts for the coming Lord, as I preach to them. Nobody wants to be Rudolph. Nobody wants to be a misfit, including us. We want to fit in. We don't want to be different. And yet sometimes 
we, we do that to a fault, don't we? we? We try to fit in so much that we fit in with society and we stop living a life for Jesus. We kind of blend in with society. And instead of living a, a life for the one who stands forever, uh, we fit in with people who come and go. John said, no, I'm not going to worry about fitting in with society. I'm going to be intentionally different so that I can prepare people's hearts for the coming Lord. And that's what we want to do. We want to embrace that we're misfits. We're part of God's family. We're not part of society. We're part of God's family. John got this. He said, there's bigger things going on here. And I'm going to use my, me being a misfit to prepare people's hearts. Because, and here's your last point, John was a misfit with a purpose. And what was that purpose? Mark chapter 1. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John knew that there was one coming after him who was more powerful than he was. Yes, John had all these people listening to him, but there was one coming who, who John says he was not worthy to stoop down and untie the Messiah's sandals. John says, look, I may be a misfit, but the one coming after me, he's going to make us all fit in as he baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. You see... We are all misfits, aren't we? God has seen us. God has seen everything that we have done. God knows our experiences. He knows what we've heard. He knows what we've seen. He knows what we've done. And He knows that we are misfits, just as much as we do. Because in order to, be, to fit into God's family, we have to be holy and perfect, and God knows we're not. We know we're not. We're misfits. And yet, God said, I want you in my family. I want you to fit in with the rest of these other saints here, these other holy ones. I want you to be part of this. And so I'm going to make you part of my family. And how did He do it? He sent Jesus on Christmas night to live, die, and rise again for us. To forgive us of all of our sins. So that we may be part of His family. And here's the amazing thing about our God. He knows that we can hear something, we can read something, and we know it's truth, and yet still doubt that it applies to us. And so what did He give us? Baptism. It's something that we can touch. It's something that we can see. It's something that we can go back to and say, here is when God made me part of His family. Because in our baptism, God washed us completely clean. Washed all of our sins away. It was in our baptism, in your baptism, 
that God wrote His name on your heart, declaring you to be His heir, part of His family, part of His holy ones, washed clean. Do you remember in Toy Story when uh, Woody looks underneath his shoe, underneath his boot? What's under there? Andy, right? Why did Andy put his name on it, on Woody? It's because he wanted everybody else to know that Woody belonged to Andy. In your baptism, God wrote his name on your heart. He wrote wrote it there so that you know that you belong to him. And he wrote it there so that when Satan comes to you and starts whispering, you don't fit in. You don't belong here. You can say, Satan, I do. Look whose name is written on my heart. It is the God of the universe. And he declares me to be his holy child. So I am. I do fit in. You see, we all, we've all done things we're not proud of. We've all done things to make us not fit into God's family, but God has declared that each and every one of us do fit in. Uh, Not because of anything we've done, but because of what God has done for us. This Christmas season, we know people who think they don't fit in with uh, God's family. And like Rudolph, like John, We now have purpose, don't we? God has made us fit into His family. And He says there's more room. I want everyone to be part of my family. Go and tell them that there's room and that I want them. Because like I said, we all know people who think that they don't fit in because of things that they've done, because of their background, and yet God says, I want you. That's why He sent Jesus on Christmas, because He wanted to save the world from their sins. And so this Christmas, uh, as we're considering inviting our one, the one person or one family uh, that doesn't have a church home, pray for them and tell them, invite them to Christmas that they may hear of the God who is inclusive. He wants all people to be saved. And He has given us baptism so that we may never doubt that we are part of His family. Though we're misfits, we all fit in because of Jesus. God be with us as we pray for these people. God be with us as uh, we declare to Satan that we are God's because He has written His name on our hearts. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have included us in Your family. Uh, We ask that as this Christmas season gets closer and as we're getting ready for Christmas Eve, that you prepare our hearts, uh, just as John prepared the hearts of the people, prepare our hearts for the coming Lord. And then use us however you see fit to prepare other people's hearts for His coming as well. Be with us and bless us. Amen.